where nobody knows your name is filmed in front of nobody. Hello there, we are discussing episode 20 of season 2. I'm James. And I'm John, and this episode is Norman's Conquest, and it was released on the 23rd of February 1984. It was written by Lissa Levin, and directed by James Burroughs. Who else? I don't think anyone else has done one. An interesting episode. It was a, a bit different, tonally quite different from uh, other episodes, I think. It was a weird one. It kind of threw me because wasn't knowing what to expect uh, from it. The order of the episodes in this season have, have been quite strange for me, actually. Yeah. We talked before about an episode where Sam and Dan broke up and then the mm. next episode together. A couple of episodes, Norm and Vera got back together. Now that they are still together, but it's kind of threw it all back into jeopardy again, mm. I guess. And it seems almost for the sake of narrative rather than character. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll discuss that. So they that could write an episode. Yeah. Yeah. And it it kind of feels like if it was placed maybe even towards the beginning of the series where Norm and Vera had broken up, it might make more sense. Because of context, yeah. But it just feels a bit misplaced and we'll get into that as we go on. Should we begin with the cold open, which is a bit more a bit more lighthearted? There's a group of old women using the pool room. The golden eighties club. They order a large round of drinks, and Carla tricks Diane into carrying them all at once, including carrying a pint glass on her head because she's ran out of hands. Yeah, so uh, Carla kind of almost... Uh, actually, it's almost like a peer pressure, like, uh, yeah. you know, Do a real, real waitress would carry them all at once. And that's, that's what leads Diane to having a pint on her head as she slowly walks down the corridor. And this bunch of old widows and spinsters... That's a quote. I didn't mm-hmm. call them that. <laughs> and this is also a quote. Uh, get together to play Connect the Liver Spots. Sounds like a cross between Operation and Connect 4. <laughs> and as Diane's walking down the corridor towards them, Carla shouts something. What's she shout, James? Look, it's Lawrence Welk. And he used to present a variety show in the 1950s. Uh, so naturally, all of these golden 80s spinsters and widows. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the full Skeksis. <laughs> Uh, and they drank his assets. <laughs> they stampede. Like that scene from The Lion Yeah. <laughs> and Diane's caught in the stampede and the glasses go everywhere. Lovely little cold open. Yeah, it is a funny one. I guess this theme of almost peer pressure or pressuring someone to do something carries through into the main episode as Norm brings a client of his accountancy business to cheers to celebrate a successful deal. And this is Emily Phillips, who he brings to the bar. Portrayed by Anne Scudin. He brings to the bar for the drink and they celebrate. The regulars around the bar believe that she's interested in Norm and start to sort of pressure Norm into making advances. And as we know, a couple of weeks ago, Norm and Vera, his wife, got back together, which has been a big plot point throughout the series. So this idea of Norm being adulterous to her feels really, really wrong. Let's talk about Anne for a moment, what she's been in. Her notable roles include Linda in one of your favourite TV shows, Beretta. Ah, yeah, I watched all of Beretta. Main character Sarah Frank in Paper Dolls, and main character Kate Tanner in Alf. Alan Koss returns as Al and Tim Cunningham. Now, who's he playing in this episode? Surely not Tim. It's Tim. It's Tim? Yeah. Steve Gianelli's first episode where he is credited as Steve following No Help Wanted where he played customer number two. These are the ones which are pressuring Norm quite a bit. Yeah, go on. And I'd say it's probably one of their, their biggest roles so far. I don't think either of them were in The Boys in the Bar. It's certainly one of the ones where the mass populace of Cheers do get more involved. They're all egging Norm on quite heavily. And he kind of goes along with it quite a bit. Where were your pins on it, James? Just leave him alone. Yeah, he just came for a drink. Um, let let Norm do his, his own thing. 
Uh, you know he's back with his wife now. Norm uh, offers to, like, says, oh, why don't we get out of here and go for dinner? And she says, how about we go back to my place? And Norm was like, danger zone. Yeah. You saw the sirens go off in his head. Yeah, so they, they, they go and like, some time passes. A couple this, of hours, is it? The bar gets a call, coach answers, and it's Emily Phillips hmm. asking if Norm's arrived at the bar because he did a runner on her. And it's, it actually kind of reminds me of a couple of episodes ago with um, Cliff's Rocky Moments, hmm. where Cliff ran from a fight and he was caught almost between Carla's advice and Dan's advice. And Norm's in a similar situation where he's stuck between advice of Carla and a lot of the other people in the bar and Diane's opinions. And just like Cliff, he ran from the situation. Both of them, I think, did the right thing to run. I think so. The difference is, Norm comes back... Uh, pretending. Pretending. Uh, and he's like... She's an animal! He's untucked his shirt. He's used a hoover to put a hickey on. On his neck, which is a bit disgusting. Returned to the bar. It's a bit of a mess. Even though everyone in the bar knows that she called her going, Where's your boy Norm? goes into Sam's office to have a chat with Sam and they have quite a good one-on-one. Norm sort of confesses, you know, that his his love for his wife, which is something we haven't seen for what, over a series and a half. It's a very powerful moment where he says a lot of interesting things to Sam. I don't even want other women, Sam. Don't get me wrong. I get urges, okay? Uh, uh, yeah. But if I acted on those urges, I'd be no better than a rutting pig. In quite a Norm-heavy season, the first season dealt a lot with the Sam and Diane, will they, won't they? Yeah. For the most part of this season, they don't, I feel, they don't really know what conflict to add into Sam and Diane's relationship with Norm and Carla and Coach being the other main cast. Norm particularly, they have done a lot with this season. Mm. And uh, it, it's quite nice actually in, the, in this episode he's seen by the end of the episode after his chat with Sam, Sam and Norm seem to be quite similar yeah. uh, in their current relationships and I think Diane finds comfort in seeing Sam being a bit more similar to Norm mm-hmm. and Norm's perspective on things. Uh, the only thing that Norm does say is that you can't go to a bar and complain about how much you love your wife. Come on, Sam. People don't go bragging around how they love their wives. I mean, when was the last time you saw a bunch of guys sit around a bar slamming beers, exchanging great tales of marital bliss, huh? <laughs> and I think that's a really interesting quote. And puts in perspective a lot of what Norm said to date. I think he says something like, it's all lies, even that line about the tentacles. <laughs> which, you know, is obviously a bit ridiculous, but it just shows that he's said a lot, but didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. And I think Diane says something around... They're unhappy with their marriages, or lack thereof. And they're waiting out there for you to throw yours away and lower yourself to their level. You pointed out something about the jokes there. An early quote is... You're always making these crass adolescent jokes about Vera, and that's getting you into trouble. This woman probably takes you seriously. And now she thinks that you don't care about your wife. Another thing you said was that they've become quite similar to Sam and Norm. Uh, Sam even says to Norm, You may not believe me, but I envy you. I used to think that the more women I conquered, the more it would make me a man. And now I guess I'm just looking for the right one. It is an interesting story of how these two characters come together in the end. Mm. Obviously, the themes of fidelity and trust play into this Mm. relationship. I thought there was elements of sexism in it. There's a lot of, like, crass comments Class comments, there's a lot of, um, for lack of a better phrase, ball and chain comments. You mm. know, it, this happens a lot in uh, standard routines in the 70s and 80s where people would make jokes about their wife at home, you know. I think the most poignant way they addressed this was in the quote. Norman, has it come to this? Are you going to sell your virtue to the first person who buys you a drink in a bar? If you were a woman, I think we'd have a name for you. Which coach misunderstands and says, I kind of like Becky. It is 
interesting how those different um, lifestyles and parallels between them are addressed. Mm. Sam and Norm. Hey, hey, James. Yeah? Did you know that the title refers to the Norman Conquest of England in 1066? I, uh, I've heard of the phrase the Norman Conquest, but I didn't know what it was. But, again, it's weird to, to, have, to have it described as a conquest, a Norman having an affair. Yeah, it's a, it's a very weird episode. It hasn't been the best one of the season. I think it, it got to a place in the end where there was true character development. Yeah. Very weird setup that had to happen to explore that. Was it worth the payoff? We're not sure. As you've pointed out, if it was something which they'd perhaps done earlier in the season, mm. it would have enriched the characters quite well, a lot. In the earlier in the season, there wouldn't have been this kind of people sort of encouraging him to cheat on his wife. So that, that that's, that's the thing that doesn't sit easy. Mm. And it's weird to see characters like Cliff playing into this as well, yeah. who, you know, previously we didn't want to fight, but now is encouraging Norm to cheat on his wife. It's a bit weird where his moral compass is sort of... Askew. Yeah, it, it does feel like it's written for the episode rather than for the character. That's it. Like, is this our first negative episode, James? That one with Marky Post we weren't too fond of. <laughs> Looks like Cliff has brought some trivia for us. In in the episode, um, Norm jokes that his wedding view is there for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. Where is his wedding ring? Didn't you say it's in a pawn shop somewhere? Yeah, he says it's in in the window of a pawn shop on Wilson uh, Street. It's not where it's supposed to go. It's supposed no. to go on your finger. When they're encouraging Norm to get with Emily, yep. use some accounting-themed innuendo, what does... Cliff say. Uh, I'm not sure what Cliff says specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone says, uh, have you like reviewed her figure or something? That's one of them. Someone says something about assets. Cliff said, it's a bit of a long one. Is she showing you a couple of capital gains that will make you liquidate your holdings? <laughs> that bit's a bit too graphic, though. In this episode, Diane compares a soap opera to the real world. It just says that the soap opera has better hair than the real world is. What soap opera does she reference? It's Dynasty. Yeah. My question being, what does Carla say is the only difference between the TV show <laughs> Dynasty and the real world? <laughs> Talking about uh, fidelity, mm. Diane fakes the news to Sam because he somehow feeling, fig- hadn't figured it out already. He would never be with another woman again, mm. given that they're now in a relationship. Uh, Sam gives a hypothetical situation. What does he say? I think I've got the same question for you, James. He basically outlines the plot of a, of a Futurama episode. Yeah, I'm, it's Amazon, <laughs> Amazon and Woman in the Mood. <laughs> what would happen if I went down on an airplane over South America someplace and was taken captive by a tribe of huge women? <laughs> made me their sex slave forced by high priestess Bettina and her handmaidens to satisfy them day after day after day I believe in Futurama they call it Snoo Snoo (laughs) I had Snoo Snoo (laughs) I can only assume Futurama stole it it's a good episode of Futurama that one yeah I like that episode of Futurama it's one of the more memorable ones I think yeah that Jurassic Park the luck of the fish yeah one of us knows the titles. 
Final drinks at the bar after this episode. I'm feeling a little bit sombre, I guess. Disappointed in a lot of people in Cheers. I'm hoping it pays off in the finale. We're gearing up for... Was that an accountant pun? No, it wasn't, but, you know, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we went through this because it's informed Sam about what he really wants mm. and that, moving forward, there's more clarity with that and it pays off. But, you know, uh, there was a good bond formed between Norm and Sam in this episode in, like, the latter half. Yeah. But wasn't a fan of the beginning. As I said, this episode is a non-centric episode, as is the season. And over the course of the season, we've developed a great interest. <laughs> this is another pun. Yeah. I didn't do mine on purpose. You did a, a dramatic pause. <laughs> I did. And uh, no, uh, no regrets. <laughs> I think it's almost acting as a parallel to Sam and Diane. They're a new relationship and Norm and his wife have been together since they were in high school. Mm. Whether that was done consciously or subconsciously, I think it is certainly... Of note. Of note, yes. And as we come near the end of this season, there's only a handful of episodes left. We'll see how these two parallel storylines turn out. I'd like to go back to the golden 80s club. I'd like to propose a toast to Lawrence Welk. Lawrence Welk. Yeah. You know what? We could have to drink four pint glasses, one on our heads, three in one hand, and a platter of sherry, it looked like. Between two of us, we can handle that. That sounds good to me. Let's go back to that. So the Golden 80s Club, count your liver spots. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name.